if you have a, any Celebrate Recovery, some of you are familiar with it, some of you aren't, but we're hoping that it will be a way to really, for, for us to be formative in the community of our church, but to be really formative in our greater community. So uh, there are a lot of addictions, uh, which Celebrate Recovery is kind of known for, is, is kind of your more, what you would call just out, out there addictions. But then there are so many, as Ben talks about, like things in our heart too. And if you, if Celebrate Recovery would really serve you well or serve people in your community well, Right now, you'd have to go to Ankeny, I think, to one of the closest ones, maybe Ames, to go there. And just the motivation to actually travel that far to be a part of something like that or to even check out something like that um, doesn't seem like it serves our area really well. And so we're hoping that, that this will end up being a, a beautiful thing in the life of our church. And, for, and we're just kind of looking to the Lord to show us what that looks like and looking to the Lord to show us uh, just how this looks like in the life of our church to uh, definitely won't replace community groups, um, won't replace any of the things that we're doing right now, but will be a, a way that we hope the Lord will uh, break chains uh, in, in us and in our communities. So uh, Carrie Ann mentioned this, that, that we're kicking off this series called Thankful. And I think we threw, yes, any chance you can get those green bins in a photo, I'm always trying. So uh, there's a lot to be thankful for right now. Um, so we're going to Yes, step into this because Thanksgiving is at the end of the month, and, uh, and that is November is kind of this Thanksgiving-type month. Next Sunday, Nick Tornstra is actually going to lead us in preaching on a, a really neat way of thinking of being thankful, and it's been cool to meet with him over the last couple weeks and for us to pray, and just he is really being diligent to serve us well and, and prayerfully too. So please be praying for him as he, uh, in between, uh, last night he said uh, in his breaks of, of driving an ambulance around, you, know, you don't think that someone who's driving an ambulance in Story County is then preparing for a sermon w when they get back. And so it's beautiful that how, how he is stepping in all of that. So please be praying for him as he is on duty this weekend and preparing to preach next Sunday as well. Um, an aspect that we're going to focus on this week, which might sound really weird, but hang with me, please, is for all of us to be thankful for our government. Being thankful for our government. You're like, aren't you going to lose your 501c3 status if you preach too, too strongly on, uh, on our government? Isn't there a separation of church and state and all that stuff? Well, I, I, I really think... God is going to show us today many things to be thankful for this week. This is a key week to be thankful for our government. Uh, regardless of how the election goes on Tuesday, regardless of how messy potentially the situation might become to certify the results of the election, um, and for Trump to either go into his second term of office or for Biden to transition into leadership, either way there's a lot to be thankful for. Um, if the person that you voted for gets into office, you can be grateful, you can be hopeful for the direction that the leadership may take us over the next term, how you contributed to the process to get us there. If the person you're voting for doesn't get into office, we live in a country where you can contribute to other elections. We live in a country where you can work really hard over the next four years to then uh, hopefully see that next election cycle, the ways that your conviction lies. 
Even our founding fathers, though, I think it was fascinating, argued strongly on how our government should look. Uh, If you watch the, which I encourage everybody, I love the the musical Hamilton, and I love how much that teaches about so many of our founding fathers um, in, in such a creative way. But even in I mean, you can know this outside of Hamilton, but it's brought it up to the surface of just how much Thomas Jefferson and Alexander Hamilton disagreed on almost every single topic that came up in the founding of our country. And a peaceful transition still happened. Even early on, after such disagreements, they were still able to transition power. Our different branches of government have truly worked as checks and balances And uh, even though our country is divided, I'm not pretending our country is not deeply divided on many fronts, the ability to have elections and for citizens to have a say in the leadership of our country is a special experience that many of our brothers and sisters in Christ have no concept of. I remember when I was in seminary, there were a lot of people from other parts of the world that were there, and it was, uh, I was there in 2004 during that presidential election, and I remember some of my, my uh, classmates from other parts of the world marveling at how much we talked about politics, and they were like, we have no say in it, so we just like, this is really fascinating seeing that you all actually talk about this because we just have no ability to have a say in it, and so we never talk about it uh, in that way. So, so there is a lot to be thankful for, for the process of our government, to be thankful for, for living in the country we live in, to be thankful for, for being uh, people who get to live in the best state in the United States, in Iowa. I actually firmly believe that and love living here. I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. I want us to draw our attention this morning, though, however, to an entirely additional way of thinking about being thankful for our government heading into Tuesday, heading into this week. I think a way that can actually truly transform our lives this morning, a way that can deeply anchor us in going into this week, and it starts with this key concept that's found in many areas of scripture, and Philippians 3.20 is going to be the area of scripture that will speak to it for us this morning, proclaiming truth to us. So um, uh, we went through the book of Ephesians several months ago, so it's the next book after that. So if you see Galatians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians in the New Testament, Philippians 3.20 through 21, verse 20 says this, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. And I just want to just, I would have never guessed this. I don't think you would have ever guessed this verse. I would have never imagined what that just said unless he taught it to me, unless he taught it to you, and that is that all Christians are dual citizens. I was actually texting Nick about this a little bit because he's, has, uh, he's from Canada, 
and has a license from Iowa. So he was like, I, I totally get some of what you're talking about here in this message. All Christians are dual citizenships because verse 20, did you catch it? It says our citizenship is in heaven. It doesn't say our citizenship will be one day in heaven. That little two-letter word is, is like so crucial because it says today we are citizens in heaven, citizens of heaven. We can be so thankful to be citizens of the United States. We should be thankful to be citizens of the United States and our citizenship is in heaven. We have dual citizenship. So imagine like if in our wallets, like I have an Iowa license in my wallet, and imagine if I also had a heaven license, a heaven ID card in my wallet. Like this is what he's talking about. And for, you know, like now that I have a 15-year-old daughter, I know very well like when someone can get a license in Iowa and what that license means, right? Because she's very, you know, wants to make sure she knows exactly when she can get a license. And what's beautiful is a heavenly license, and this is part of a baptism today, has no age limit to it as well. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so, so we are citizens. Our citizenship is certain. What I love about having a heaven ID card is that heaven will not one day be defeated. It's, it's going to be like, hey, is that, will that still be a country when it's time for me to walk on the ground of that country? And we know heaven's victory has been won. We have citizenship in heaven, and from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So in our U.S. citizenship, in our U.S. citizenship, this week we're experiencing an election for local, state, federal leadership. I love that Steve Shipton is actually on the ballot for, for Collins Township. For um, I won't let you know if I voted for him or not, but, uh, um, but I love that he is on the ballot. And some this week will be disappointed. Others will be encouraged this week. What I love is in our heavenly citizenship, we await the Savior, the world's only Savior, and there will never be a transition out of his reign. Isn't that beautiful? There will never be elections. There will never be a, I hope the one that I want is the one who rules. He would never want to step aside, and we would never desire it for him to step aside. Jesus is our Lord, he is our King, he is our Savior, and the ID card in our pocket shows our citizenship never expires and it can never be lost. Imagine if like you had that, it's like, hey, I'm gonna give you this when you put your trust in Jesus, and then it's like, you better not lose that thing. Well, thankfully, we can never do anything once you give your life to Jesus that would get it taken away from you that it would get it revoked, that would make it expire, that would have it be lost. And part of that is because it doesn't reside in our pockets so that it can be lost. It resides on your soul so that it can ne never be lost. And, and you're like, where are you getting this from? Ephesians 1, 13 through 14 shows us part of this. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, 
the gospel of your salvation and you believed in him. Look at this. Think of this as an ID card. You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So when we think of that, when we think about what he is doing, look at this. What do you see in verse 13 that seals your citizenship? You see someone hearing the word of truth. In him also, when you heard the word of truth, people need to hear truth. Gosh, I mean, would you love to hear with all of the Joni Ernst and Teresa Greenfield and all those ads to just be like, hey, just like give me an ad of just pure truth and it will like feel so good. Like, please, I, I need that for my soul. And here it's like you hear the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. You hear the word of truth. You hear the gospel, not of someone else's salvation, but the gospel of your salvation and believed in him. You believe. When you believe in Jesus, in him as your savior, you are sealed for heaven. That's what makes a baptism. The baptism doesn't seal you for, for heaven. Putting your faith in Jesus, believing in him, seals you for heaven. And a baptism just publicly shows people what has happened in your life. And that's why you can cry, you can cheer. I mean, it's way more than winning the, the you know, game at the last second. Because that, I mean, that'll, there'll be a high that'll last like this long, you know. But to know like someone is eternally changed will never end in recognizing the impact of that moment. Now see again how Philippians 3 continues this. Our citizenship is in heaven. From it, we await a savior the Lord Jesus Christ, verse 21, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. So coming out of this week as citizens of the United States, we can hope that maybe the next four years will bring an improvement to life. I mean, anyone who's voting and not hoping that that's gonna bring an improvement to life over the next four years, I mean, it's like, oh, I'm voting for the person I think is going to make my life worse. Like, no one's probably doing that, right? We're voting on what we think would bring an improvement in our lives, hopefully an improvement to COVID, hopefully an improvement in our laws, an improvement in many ways. We are hopeful what our country may look like, but the outcome is uncertain, right? Campaign promises, I hope they'll be kept. I'm not sure if they'll be kept. I'm hopeful they'll be kept. We'll be, you know, hopefully voting for those things to be kept. But look at just one item from the platform of our heavenly government that we can be thankful for. So this is one item from the platform of our heavenly government. It's not a political promise he plans to abandon. It's a promise that he will keep. He will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. So he's like, just as you see me being over all things and the power that would allow him any square inch of anything happening anywhere on planet earth for him to say, that's mine. I'm king over that. I'm Lord over that. I'm powerful over that. The, the power that allows him to truthfully say that 
says, hey, one day I'm going to transform your lowly body to be like his glorious body. I mean, that's going to be a great day. <laughs> like, there's no way that we can't say that is going to be, and that is going to be a wonderful day. He will do this. And he even tells us, yes, we await for him to come, but at the same time that we're awaiting for him to come, all nations are subject to him. We can truly be thankful for the government that is and is coming. We can be thankful that all Christians are dual citizens, and that deeply informs the way that we walk into our U.S. citizenship this week. And we're not meant to be like asleep at the wheel, to be like, well, I'm glad I've got my ID card, but um, I'm just going to kind of, I'm just going to kind of be asleep at the wheel as it relates to what's happening here. And we're not to be that way. What we are actually to be is to be thankful that all Christians are ambassadors. So we all have dual citizenship, and now we're all ambassadors. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.20. Therefore, we are. So just as it said, you are a citizen of heaven right now, we are right now ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. I was just, I was chewing on this and I was just like, how do I view an ambassador, like a U.S. ambassador? And I was like, oh gosh, as Iowans, like we have a really good up close example of a U.S. ambassador. And I didn't know this about Terry Branstad, but do you know that he holds the record for the longest serving governor in U.S. history. No governor in U.S. history has served longer than Terry Branstad did. He was in office for 8,169 days. It's a long time, right? Um, he, but then up until recently, so he stopped being, he was the ambassador to China until he stopped in order to, to help with uh, Trump's campaign. And I was like, okay, what was his job description? What is the job description of an ambassador? And so I turned to the most credible source I knew, Wikipedia, right? So, so I think it, it hopefully, it, it's, uh, I think it's in the right direction. It'll at least get us in the direction of thinking about this. Here's Wikipedia's definition for an ambassador. It says, an ambassador is the ranking government representative stationed in a foreign capital. Under the Vienna Convention on Diplomatic Relations, an ambassador has the highest diplomatic rank. I, I love that clarity. I love the clarity that when an ambassador is in a host nation, they're the highest ranking representative. So when Terry Bransat is in China, there's no one else other than the President of the United States that would be more of a high-ranking official to speak on behalf of U.S. affairs, right, than Bransad would be in China. Now, he's accountable to the leadership above him. He's accountable to the leader of the nation. But to think of 2 Corinthians 5.20 that way is, can, like, really transform even the way we look at ourselves here is... Would you think about yourself, I'm going to just say this, 
and God, would you let it sink in? Would you think of yourself as the highest ranking representative of heaven? Like, would you think of yourself that way? I am the highest ranking representative of heaven. And I think like Jesus, now you could say, well, there's only one ambassador, but for him to say, no, you are ambassadors. And in each of our spheres of influence, in each of our lives, he looks to you and say, yeah, you're accountable to Jesus. But he's like, there aren't like 30 people above you that would like speak for your heavenly citizenship. He's like, no, this is as an ambassador, I'm viewing you as the highest ranking representative of heaven to those around you. I mean, think about how that affects the way we even look at uh, stepping into the week of an election. And if you are, yes, like you can be fully proud of, of people who have served in wars, of, of yourself and what you've given for your country, and to say, in light of all of that being true, you're also the highest ranking representative of heaven here in this community. And, and many of us get to, not because we deserve it, but humbly step into that and recognize that God is making his appeal through us. Terry Brand says, making his appeals, he's working for the good of the nation he's representing, uh, making appeals to the nation's leadership on behalf of certain things. And here we are told that God is making his appeal through us as ambassadors, as we speak to others, as we share with others about the one who is out for their good, for their flourishing. And I don't think of an ambassador just being like, I think of an ambassador actually probably really enjoying their host nation. You know, like if, I hope Terry Branstad like loves Chinese food, like, like authentic Chinese food. Like I, I hope he actually like loved the culture of China and, and laughed a lot and really enjoyed uh, and loved the people of China. And he is the highest ranking representative of, of our nation and then here of this nation for their flourishing, for the good of both of those nations. Uh, Matthew 6.10 even more clearly speaks to our heart, our job description. It's like, what's my job description as an ambassador? Verse 10 says, your kingdom come. This is Matthew 6. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So a major focus that we have as citizens of heaven is for it to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Isn't that amazing? And you might be like, oh, I've known that verse before, but I've never seen it through this lens. Every, uh, kind of, you don't want to make the illustration go too far, and, and it's a reality here, but I was thinking like every ambassador has an embassy, right? Like, like you're, there's going to be an embassy that's connected to every ambassador, and I think in many ways a church is an embassy of the kingdom of heaven. Like that's a role of a church in a community is we are an embassy of the kingdom of heaven. We have a mission to passionately devote ourselves to this country looking like that one. This country looking like that one. As people experience the kingdom of heaven through its citizens, they want to be citizens. They'll want that kingdom and they'll want its king. They'll be like, I want that kingdom and I want its king. All people will benefit from ambassadors working to see our wonderful country become even better, more like the kingdom that's coming. I was uh, 
just kind of chewing on the idea of embassy, and I couldn't get out of my head that several years ago, I had the opportunity through Compassion International to uh, go to Nairobi, Kenya. And I decided one morning, and it felt pretty unwise, but I had become really good friends with a guy who grew up in Africa, and he was actually a really good runner. And I've dabbled in running here and there at times. And he was like, hey, how about we get up early and go on a long run through Nairobi? So number one, like that's just generally a bad idea to accept, thinking like, like if, a, if a native African who runs in Africa says, hey, why don't you go on a long run with me? I should probably just said no, but because of like, I had no idea that I could like hang with him. And so he was, he was very grateful to not run uh, the way he usually does. And I was like, you're gonna have to take it so easy on me. And he did. And we kind of trotted through all of these neighborhoods of Nairobi. And we were in this really wealthy neighborhood. I mean, very million dollar houses in this neighborhood in Nairobi. Nairobi is a beautiful city. And we ran past this one mansion, and it was like a fortress, like how thick the walls were. And it had like all of those like big concrete barriers in the front. So like if you wanted to drive your car into there, like you, you couldn't get through the concrete barriers. Then it had this massively thick wall around it. And then at the top of the thick walls was this really nasty barbed wire that was coming out in all directions. Then in each corner of the property, they had these towers, and I could tell that there were guys with major weapons that were in each of the towers. And so it was like super unsettling to be like, beautiful house, beautiful. oh my gosh, you know, like what is this? Let's not stop. You know, you didn't have the idea of like, let's just stay here and hang out and see what happens. You know, it's like, keep running, keep running, you know. And then we, we finally got past it, and I asked my buddy, I was like, what in the world was that? And he said, oh, that's the Israeli embassy. And I'd be like, oh my gosh, you're kidding me. And uh, he's like, yeah, that's where the ambassador, the Israeli ambassador to Kenya, that's where he is. He's there, that's their embassy. And uh, I couldn't believe it. Uh, like the last thing I wanted to do was stop and go in and be like, well, let me get a flavor for Israel. You know, let me see what Israel is like. You know, I was like, man, this thing is like, I don't want to stop. And that's not me at all. To sl- like, I'm not saying this to slam Israel at all. Um, Kenya, just a couple years after that, had a major terrorist attack at a mall that was really close by. There is major terrorism that is happening in Kenya. Um, so I don't say that to slam Israel, but I say that because I fear that that's the way so many churches represent themselves to their community is when we think of being an embassy, we take the route of a fortress that needs to be defended at all costs so that the culture cannot change what's happening in here. And, and we need to you know, do everything we can to keep everybody out that should be kept out. And when I thought about Kenya, I was like, man, what would an embassy for heaven look like in Nairobi? And like that, I was like, let me not think about U.S. yet. Let, let me not think about rural central Iowa. Just what would I think a, an embassy of heaven would look like in Nairobi? I don't think it'd be an intimidating fortress. I think it'd be a place maybe where access was risky, where they actually risked access because they knew how important it was 
for people to be able to experience this. Man, I think that the ambassadors would be very active in being in the community. The ambassadors would be very active in seeing where, where it looks like it's not heaven that would be done on earth as it is in heaven so that people would experience the beauty and the power and the transforming power that actually is available as citizens of heaven and how that is open invitation for all people, that you'd see needs being met, you'd see the poor being helped, you'd, be, you'd even see like, like real strategic things that are being changed because they would want change to last and not just be a flash in the pan. You'd basically see an embassy that is working for Kenya to be the best version of Kenya. You'd want Kenya to be the best version of Kenya by the work of heaven's embassy. And uh, man, as, and as Kenyans come to know and love the savior of Kenya, um, they are building that. <laughs> they are on the move as Jesus is on the move. And uh, it's true for those that are called to be dual citizens and ambassadors in Kenya, and it's a joy. Maybe one day we'll be supporting them. And it's true for us as we are in this next week dual citizens and ambassadors in Collins, in Maxwell, in Colo, in State Center, in Baxter, in Melbourne, in Ames, the places that God has called us that, yes, we are citizens and we're dual citizens so a few questions, I think, just from these verses today. First question is, as we start kind of transitioning into uh, how the Lord would have us go from here, is uh, first question is just, do you have dual citizenship? Do you have dual citizenship? Is Jesus your Savior? Are you a citizen of heaven? Are you a citizen of heaven? And how will that impact this week for you? I've already been thinking this week just about conversations that could be had with like the person I voted for and then that house that has a totally different sign in their yard and the way that I think of them and approach them knowing my citizenship status. Let your earthly citizenship be anchored by your heavenly citizenship and directed by your heavenly citizenship. So do you have dual citizenship? And if you do, be thankful. Thank you, Lord. Like that's your work. That's your grace. Thank you. If you could say, man, I don't know. Like, let's pray. Let's talk. Um, give your life to him. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, and uh, you will have that citizenship. Uh, second is, are you an ambassador? We can be citizens, but not ambassadors. And what does it look like for you this week to be the highest ranking ambassador of heaven? Like, what does it look like actually to walk into that this week? And you could be like, I have no idea. <laughs> it's like, that's why we were like in community group together. That's why we pray together. That's why we talk together. Because it'd be like, hey, I know that's who I am, and I have no idea to do, how to do my job description. And it's like, hey, great, I don't either. Let's pray and ask the Lord to show us. Let's ask the Lord to empower us what it looks like, not just to be a Christian somewhere, but to be an ambassador somewhere where God is making his appeal through us and the joy that it brings to us. So do you have dual citizenship? Are you ambassador? Then third, will your relationship with heaven transform your experience on earth this week? And I think as, man, as we just don't, I think the peace that we can have, the, um, the like, hey, why are you not like 
freaked out losing sleep over what could happen this next week. And it's like, man, I'm not jettisoning my, my roles and my responsibilities, but I also know who holds all this in his hands. And, uh, and, you know, like, you need to know him too as we walk into uh, the rest of this year, as we walk into next year, and as we are ambassadors here, I think, will you say amen to the prayer of, like, it being done on earth as it is in heaven? And I'm just expecting the Lord's going to grow all of us this week. I think the Lord's going to change us all this week to be more like Christ. Like, that, that needs to be our prayer. That should be our hope. And so we should never be like, okay, I'm going to go over here and try really hard to do all this. It should always be like, no, I'm going to come to Jesus and be like, would you do this? <laughs> I, I want to do this. Would you do this in me? Would you do this through me? Would we be such a light in our community? Would we be such a light to our families? Would we be such a light to ourselves because of what he's doing through us? And say like, Jesus, we cannot do this apart from you, what you're calling us to do. And so I think communion is such a appropriate way for us to, to end our gathering together every Sunday because, uh, because of just the, the power of showing his idea of saying, do this as often as you do it in remembrance of me. Like our focus should be on him as we take communion together. He says he will do this with us in person at the wedding feast of the Lamb, but until then, he is with us as we take this together. And so uh, there's wine and juice. Obey your conscience there. It's a cup within a cup. Uh, there's bread underneath the, the liquid so you can separate those cups. Uh, if you are a follower of Jesus, confess any known sin that you have. Let the Lord search your heart. There's warnings in Scripture about coming too quickly to the table. So, so let the Lord do what the Lord needs to do. Be quick to repent of things he shows to you. And then what we'll do is we'll all come and take this. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, what I invite you to do is take Jesus, don't take this. Give your life to him and then come to the table. Um, but we'll come, we'll take it together, and then we'll, we'll come take the elements, then we'll stand together and we'll take it as family. So, so let's, uh, let's seek him and then let's respond in communion.